0: All right, so here's something I've noticed when I am singing to myself, uh-huh, I artificially constrain my voice and I make myself sound goofy because I'm afraid of sounding bad. Oh, like have you ever tried to sing in earnest?
1: Yeah, yeah, I sing in the shower like every time I'm in the shower, like full volume, yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, blast in the music, okay. I sound great when there's other music playing and someone else singing and I'm just singing along with them. It's when I'm alone that's a problem.
0: Welcome to episode 396 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how are you doing, my bud? You know, another week, another episode. We always pack it in on Mondays. I feel like our Mondays are intensely busy. Yes. uh, Now that we've shifted our recording schedule. So good, you know, but today's been a day. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's make this a somewhat short one. Keep it right. Keep it tight. Let's dig in. Before we get started, huge shout outs to Around. Around is a better video calling tool that floats on your desktop and is designed for collaboration, not for meetings. Designers love it. We love it. We're using it right now, mm-hmm. and you should too. You know what's nice about Around
1: is the app isn't about being in the app, the app is about doing stuff while the app
0: is there for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. The app gets out of your way and lets you just focus on doing work and collaborating and not giving so much importance to our backgrounds or things that are not important. You should check it out at around.co slash design details. They have a gorgeous landing page. The product is awesome. We've been using it and loving it for recording design details every week. Once again, that's around.co slash design details. We also have some new very important pixels this week. Hey, <laughs> We've got a, I also had a pronunciation challenge coming up. <laughs> Here we go. Huge shout outs to Patrick Lau, Barton Smith, Andy Knight, Mancini Tan, Greg Liebowitz, Cindy Z, Achille Perrin. (laughs) That was the challenge. I couldn't tell. Well, yeah, they messaged me and said, good luck with the pronunciation. (laughs) Uh, Yuna Akazawa, Aaron Von Chrysler, and Justin Haldane. Good job, Brian. Thank you all so much for supporting the show this week. Really appreciate it. Welcome to the fam. Welcome to the fam. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, enjoy your first sidebar this week. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you actually make it possible for us to record this every single week. If you do support the show, you get access to a bonus episode every week called The Sidebar. Sidebar, Sidebar. Sidebar is a chance for us to answer an extra listener question, dig into a second design topic, double the fun, and it starts at just a dollar a month. If you go to patreon.com slash design details, you can support us there. Again, starts at just a buck a month. We want everyone to be able to jump in, get that extra sweet, sweet bonus content. Uh, And, you know, everyone wins. So that's patreon.com slash design details. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Tiny bit of tweets.
1: We have an amazing tweet to share with you this week. This is from listener Walter Camaro. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, he wrote some lyrics to our theme song, Brian, and put a little video up on YouTube. It's amazing. I loved every second of it. Please check it out. Link in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, this
0: is the type of content I'm here for. Thank you for making this, Walter. Yes, this thank awesome. you, Walter. Amazing. All right, let's get into our main topic. One thing I was thinking about this week was what are the moments in my time as a designer that have been like disproportionate outcomes relative to the inputs right like what have been the the cheat codes that have unlocked opportunities or helped me grow really quickly or introduced me to interesting people uh, or helped me work on the coolest projects and actually like thought of things right thought of like oh that thing was useful like i think other people should do that and so i thought today we could just talk about these i don't know air quotes career cheat codes things that with a little bit of extra work, might have outsized impacts on your career. Yeah,
1: I, I got one or two.
0: Yeah. Okay. How about you kick us off if something comes to mind?
1: Okay. So, one of the things that I think has really worked out well for me is becoming like the person for a thing,
0: right? So, for <laughs> me, specific lots of air quotes there the <laughs> yeah. person for a thing. A
1: thing. Yeah. <laughs> so specific. But here's what I mean I'm very passionate about design systems and like higgs and stuff like that. So I found myself drawn to memorizing these things and, and having them off the top of my head, which benefited me really well because we could be in a meeting talking about a thing and somebody would be like what's the spacing between these two things? I could just be like two dips or you know whatever and just <laughs> rattle it off of the top of my
0: head. My superpowers I can recognize <laughs> individual pixels on a screen. Yeah. Uh uh-huh.
1: that's another one is like actually being able to tell if something's a pixel off. That's a little bit harder, and that takes some, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Looking at things for a long time on a screen, yeah. Yeah,
1: that one's a little bit harder. But the idea of finding a thing that you're super passionate about and then just being the go-to person for that thing, whether that's values in your HIG, or another thing for me was being able to recognize when things were off spec because I understood the spec so well that I could, and I, because I have kind of an eagle eye, I can see stuff immediately when it's off or the wrong color, like knowing all of these things and like, we got to have Marshall in this design review because he'll be able to tell us if anything's off or we have to have him in this launch review so that he can make sure we're not launching anything that's off spec. And, and that's just what it was for me. Um, it's also been, Lately, it's been knowing who's working on what and what teams they're on and how far along those projects are and being able to connect people. You're you're the
0: the people person.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's become the latest one. But it doesn't really matter what it is. As long as you can carve out a little niche for yourself and be the go-to person for that thing, you will make a name and a reputation for yourself and become more indispensable.
0: I think what's interesting here, though, is I feel like Nothing here is extra work for you, like you gravitate towards that anyways, right like you, this is the kind of work that you wake up and get excited about doing. yeah, It's not like you had to go out of your way to really understand design systems or study visual beauty in in interfaces. like these are just things that you inherently care about. Mm-hmm. I wonder, do you feel like this pushes you in one direction or the other on the generalist versus specialist designer side?
1: I don't even know how to define those things.
0: I think there is like a debate in whether designers should specialize in a thing. Like I am going to be a visual designer, right? Versus being something more of a generalist. I think like product designer tends to be more of like a generalist role. Mm-hmm. But there's other th- things. You could be a specialist in, I don't know, fintech or a specialist in healthcare or a specialist in like some industry gotcha. or a particular tool, a prototyper. And I'm wondering if like becoming the person for a thing potentially Leads you down that path of maybe being pigeonholed into a specific specialty.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's only pigeonholing if you don't want to be there. Hmm. <laughs> like, I'm happy to be painted into this corner. This is a corner I like, Brian.
0: <laughs> it's a cozy corner. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because can you be the person that someone else thinks of when they are stuck on a very specific thing? And for me, like, this is our relationship. If I need visual feedback on a thing, I'm like, I have to show this to Marshall hmm. because of designers I know Marshall is the person who's going to give me the best visual critique on a thing because mm-hmm. I know you can jump right to, oh, that thing is like weirdly aligned or like, are you sure that gray looks like the... like it's crazy how into the details you get. But like Thank the you. fact that I have this association and like that's one of the, the relationships we have, I think mm-hmm. recognizing that and then leaning into it. At work, or or perhaps on Twitter, and like more broadly in the industry, that seems like a superpower, right? Like people just associate you with solving one of their problems. Yeah. No pressure. Does that sound right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to abuse this. I, I feel like I get your feedback maybe once every three months. <laughs> no,
1: you can hit me up more often, man. I love looking at stuff and telling you yeah. what's wrong. It's, it's it's one of my favorite things to do. T- telling people they're wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I was joking about that. But like, yeah, I mean, it, most of what you do is right. I, I tend to gravitate towards the wrong stuff. But picking nits is a good thing, you know? Yeah. That
0: means yeah. you're really far. Well, it's super helpful just to have someone that you know will be able to jump right to it. Help you catch dumb stuff before it ships. Thank you. Cool. Okay. So become the person for a thing. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that you were mentioning there, like becoming a people person, this was one thing that I was thinking about this week when I was thinking about this sort of prompt. Oh, take and, it away. I mean, I, I only really have like two clear experiences to lean on here just because, you know, I've only worked at a few places. But my first experience was at Facebook and I worked on the payments team. And the payments team was interesting because we built our own product. Like we worked on a Specific feature that people could use. But we also built payments sort of infrastructure or payments systems that other teams within Facebook could use. So for example, we built interfaces that the ads team would use, that people at Instagram would use, people at Messenger would use. Towards the end of my time there, like we got to work with WhatsApp. And what I realized, you know, sort of after the fact was I had basically accessed this cheat code of being able to talk to anyone in the organization at least any designer within the organization about all kinds of problems. Like I suppose this is part of the appeal of working in design systems, but I was coming at it from like a product perspective like hey you're working on donations or hey you're working on shops or hey you're working on ads. I have this shared context among all of these three teams that those three teams don't have individually. Mm-hmm. And the result of that is not only do I know who's working on what, but I can identify opportunities for them to those people to collaborate where they might not have identified that opportunity themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can identify opportunities for new leverage to be introduced into the system, right? Like, oh, these three people are working on this thing and this fourth team is spinning up. Well, hey, here's some leverage in previous components that we've built. Like, oh, you're going to sell something at Facebook? Here's a credit card form. Here's a receipt template. Here's like a security module, a privacy module, right? Like, just drop these in and you get this stuff for free. It's like being able to give people that leverage out of the box just by the nature of knowing who's working on what was really amazing. And I think, you know, like this ends up feeding into, I feel like your cheat code, which is becoming the person for a thing. But becoming, if your thing can be knowing what the nodes and edges are within the graph of an organization, right? Like you mm-hmm. know what different product people are working on, you know the designers on those teams, you know. Where those designers have connected or maybe haven't connected yet mm-hmm. like being able to visualize that and see the org from like a slightly elevated position really put me at an advantage one because I could learn about what everyone else is working on mm-hmm. like I learned about I don't know how donations works and how shops works and how ads works, so you just pick up a little bit more context in that way exposure to new problem areas, but then of course you get to like meet these people right <laughs> like you get to meet people and learn from them and then they become peers that maybe you'll connect with in the future. Like There are several people from my time at Facebook who I keep in touch with just by the nature of having been able to like work on one little payments integration piece with them just because I happened to be in a role that was a connector role. Like mm-hmm. My job was to connect teams and products together uh, and make sure that they were building things as easily and efficiently as possible. Yeah. So, ligaments. That was the first example that came to mind and a slightly different version of that has kind of ended up happening at GitHub, where right now I work on the mobile apps and the mobile apps are interesting because it is a new thing. It's like a, a product. But of course it's still GitHub. Like we're just building interfaces to help people do their work on GitHub. And so we're figuring out how pull requests should feel on mobile or issues on mobile or discussions on mobile, right? Mm-hmm. Notifications on mobile. And one of the cool side effects of just being at this like hub position. Is being able to go and talk to all the other designers doing that stuff on GitHub.com. Mm-hmm. It's like I have an excuse to meet everybody. I have an excuse to learn about all of these product surface areas. I have an excuse to like develop an opinion or or a point of view on how these things should work or how they might actually work together because you know a lot of these things end up getting built in isolation as sort of product teams go off into their specific domain. Well, now all of a sudden, like here's this new interface, the phone that's having to like bring them together in a slightly new way and so we're developing new contexts together. Uh so anyways, I I don't know exactly how to replicate this, but I've just recognized that like being in a position where the only way to do your work is to like connect with other product teams and and make sure like you're connecting other designers and being this hub of knowledge has been hugely useful for me personally. Yeah. So, one thing that i think maybe is worth spending a moment on here is like how to if if you're in a role where you're really really focused on like a very specific product or a very specific feature how to sort of branch out from that and one tip i have is just like make sure you're talking to other designers within your organization like i think it is very tempting to sort of retreat into i don't know your your specific product team like you work a lot with the engineers and the product people but make sure you're like talking to other designers. Hey, what are you working on? I don't know. I think maybe this has been better or worse for some teams during COVID. But like, hmm. what are the asynchronous channels where other designers are sharing their work, so that at least even if you're not actively like connecting people and ideas, you're at least passively building up a ton of context. So you know what everybody's working on. If you know what everybody's working on, like this stuff will just start to unfold naturally. Yeah, you'll identify opportunities that nobody else is identifying and. And be able to connect people in ways that they wouldn't have been able to do on their own. Yep, totally agree. Okay, last cheat code here. Uh, I think we're in this really interesting moment. If you happen to be involved in the community, there's this like building in public sort of spirit, at least in my segment of Twitter. A lot of the people that I follow Mm -hmm. have this conviction that sharing things in public, writing about things, podcasting, I don't know, tweeting, publishing screenshots of your thoughts, like, there's this belief that that is inherently valuable, just sharing what you learn as you learn it. So it's not really about being a thought leader. It's just being more open and transparent about the things that you're doing and, and learning as you go. And I think for me, this has basically been the story of you know my time writing on the internet or my time tweeting or even this podcast, right? I feel like this podcast... Is reflective in many ways of my growth as a designer over the years because now it's been six years. And I'm sure listening back and like hearing some of the opinions in the early episodes is going to be know. very, very painful for me someday. Yeah. And perhaps this one too. Oh, I'm sure. In a few years or maybe in a couple months, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think there is something crazy valuable about just putting yourself out there, putting your ideas out there, writing, podcasting, and tweeting that have for me personally, like helped me get jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is how one, like we put ourselves out there, started the podcast that helped me meet people at Facebook, which helped me get an interview. Facebook helped me work on new projects that introduced me to co-founders that led to starting a company that like all of this stuff just compounds. And I think it's really hard to know in the moment that this blog post that nobody really read or maybe got like two visitors, it's hard to feel really good about that or like build up that momentum. Mm-hmm. But man, over time, this stuff compounds to the point where, like, yeah, people will remember you from that one random ass blog post you wrote six years ago just because you happened to be inspired at that moment to share what you had learned. And I wish more people were doing this, like actually writing and blogging in earnest and not really trying to like present this highly polished, thought leader point of view, but more like, hey, here's this thing I've been thinking about. Like here's my point of view on it. You know, we'll update as I learn more. <laughs> yeah, a little bit tuned. more incrementally correct like that. Yeah. Have you had experience like this with putting yourself out there on the internet that's been a cheat code for you?
1: Well, I think I've talked about this before on the show, but yeah, I mean, getting on dribble, getting on Twitter, becoming part of a little sub click of designers kind of led to all the opportunities that i've i've had is like you know putting my work out there and then being willing to befriend strangers on the internet which is scarier for some people than for others obviously like there's different levels of um acceptance based on who you are and what kind of group you're trying to go into but yep. putting yourself out there is the first step to creating those connections that can ultimately lead to something awesome
0: well then let's let's wrap here so uh, I'm sure there are other like cheat codes or, or highly leveraged activities that other people have discovered in their own careers. So if something comes to mind for you, please tweet at us. We'd love to hear it. Tweet us at Design Details FM.
1: Oh shoot, I forgot. There's one more cheat code. It's uh, up, up, down, down, oh. left, right, left, right. B A start. Oh my! I, f- I can't believe I forgot that one. I
0: oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do cool things. You want to go right. first? I'll go first. Uh, quick question for you. Do you subscribe to newsletters, Marshall? No,
1: I intentionally have cut most of that stuff out of my life.
0: yeah, okay so here's here's my point of view on newsletters. so hot right now, first of all. <laughs> yeah, second of all, most of it's grifters just sort of leaning into the moment, like I think there's a lot of bullshit in the newsletter sort of space right now, but boy, oh boy, there are some diamonds out there, and I have been very, very slow in building up a handful of newsletters that I subscribe to. And perhaps I'll start revealing them one by one. Uh, I thought I'd start today with one that I really like. It's called Money Stuff by this guy named Matt Levine who works at Bloomberg. And I don't remember exactly how I came on to this newsletter. It might have been through friend of the pod, Jeff Smith. But Money Stuff is a weekday newsletter about finance. And it is funny, but it is incredibly informative. And it's all about current events. And so this guy, Matt Levine, has a great sense of humor, but he just knows everything about finance. So the way I consume this newsletter is not really that I'm super interested in everything, but what I'll do is I'll skim it in the morning, and there'll be like a headline or, or maybe two at most in the newsletter that i, I like, oh, I, I don't know how that works. I'm interested. And over the course of months, at this point, I think I've probably been subscribed for over a year, I've like learned shit about how financial markets work. And like he, you know, he breaks down what happened with GameStop uh, mm-hmm. earlier this year. Mm-hmm. He breaks down what happened with the Coinbase IPO, with SPACs, with like the modern IPO market. Like he breaks these things down over the course of the week, like usually iterating on his own thoughts. You know, he'll often say, like, yeah, I published this thing yesterday, but I got some feedback from readers and like iterated my position. And here's like a more clear way to think about it. So he's very much doing this. He, I don't think he's learning in public. He like knows his shit, mm-hmm. uh, but he's really educating people through this guise of being funny and conversational and just talking about the craziest things happening in the world of finance every single day. So I don't know if, if that sounds like it would scratch anyone's itch. I highly recommend it. We'll have a link to subscribe in the show notes. It's kind of weird to get the email. It's mostly just a website, but if you Google uh, like Money Stuff email newsletter you should get to a landing page where it prompts you for your your email otherwise you'll just end up on the main sort of feed website but yeah it's a newsletter i've been enjoying i would say i read maybe two a week and within those two there's like a couple segments that i think are interesting so it doesn't have to be overwhelming or intimidating but really it's like just a fun way to sort of learn a little bit about an industry that i don't know too much about so uh, nice. yeah.
1: i don't have much to add other than to say i w- found a picture of this guy And he looks like a cross between John Oliver and John Hodgman, both very funny men. So, Uh (laughs) anyways, cool thing, Brian. Um, My cool thing this week is going to be a little mini review. I'll try to run through it real quick. So, uh, we talked about the Apple HomePod on the show before. I got one. Actually, I got two. I got one for up in the kitchen, one for down here in my office, and it's been great. So what has been great about it, Marshall? Well, (laughs) let me tell you. Um, Yes, Marshall, please. (laughs) First off, it's better than the speakers in my display and in my laptop. Like, it's just a better external speaker. So that's cool, Uh, which means it's a a good alternative to wearing headphones all day rather than just sitting here with my ears sweating (laughs) all fucking day long. So yeah, I I got it like a week ago. I used it over the weekend to listen to an audio book at my desk and while doing chores around the house. And the fucking handoff thing is amazing when it works. So I don't know if you know what this is, but when you put your phone next to the HomePod, it will transfer music either from the HomePod that's playing on the HomePod to your phone or vice versa. And it even has like a little haptic system, like it kind of like bumps as you get closer to it. It has like a custom now playing view that includes a bunch of stuff, but sometimes that thing pops up. I haven't quite figured it out yet. There's some weird stuff going on. Sometimes it automatically hands off, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes mm-hmm. it forces you to push a little transfer to iphone or transfer to homepod button not sure why that's happening i don't know if it's based on like i tried it a bunch of times and it wants you to be specific about it or intentional yeah, be
0: more intentional about the handoff gesture yeah. yeah but
1: sometimes it does it just like the first tap but if it doesn't work i tried a couple times and then it's like do you really want to do this thing and then i have to tap a button which isn't as good anyways another thing that's not quite as good is it, it has a slight hitch when it's transferring it'll drop off for like a second or two which is Fine for music, usually, but not great for audiobooks, which is what I was using it for at the time. I don't know if this is because I'm on beta or whatever, but the intercom is really nice. I've been using that to talk with my partner upstairs so that she doesn't have to come down. I don't have to go up there. I can just be like, hey, S-word, tell everybody, blah, blah, blah. And it will just re- repeat the blah, blah, blah part, which is yeah. great. But, man, this has really driven home the idea of, like, the ecosystem is fucking amazing. <laughs> like, the Apple ecosystem being being in it, like, so... Here's how I came to that recent re-revelation is like I'm sitting at my desk, I'm working, I'm listening to music on the HomePod. I want to go upstairs to to do some chores and stuff. So I tap my phone to the HomePod. It transfers the music that I was listening to onto my phone. I throw my phone in my pocket. I grab my headphones, my AirPods out of my pocket, put those in. They automatically connect to my phone. So the music has now gone from the HomePod to my phone to my ears and it's a little bit too loud so i lift my watch up and turn the the crown just a little bit to turn uh-huh. the volume down uh-huh. like i just used f- like four different devices to to do one simple to turn flow. the volume down <laughs> yeah i just wanted to like go from listening on to an an external feature to listening on my headphones and change the volume which is a simple thing but usually it's like several steps for any given set of devices working together this is just so seamless and great if that appeals to you, HomePod is awesome. I Here, recommend it.
0: When it works, it works. When it doesn't work, it's very frustrating because then it is a lot of work to like tap and swipe and go through all the menus to connect shit to the right output and all that. It's uh, no more work than it was before, uh, right? Yeah, sure. Like the if the
1: magic doesn't work, well, it just falls back on the good UX it's that it's already not existed. It's more
0: more work by measured in taps, but it's more work measured in like frustration per tap because yeah, it's a thing that should have work. worked that didn't work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well how, do you have any comparison to like the Sonos ecosystem like or, or is the HomePod it's too small to be equivalent to like a Play 1 right uh, I'd say it's like a Play 1 yeah okay interesting it's, it's pretty equivalent
1: i mean i'm not using it for home theater or anything like that this is just a external speaker so like i said we have one in the office one in the kitchen we'll probably get one for the bathroom too so that i can sing in the shower Full Shout volume. out to the cold open, <laughs> full volume. Yeah, uh-huh. um, but yeah, it's great. Highly recommended. Oh. I got a white one for the kitchen where everything is white, and I got a space gray one down here for my black desk. Yeah, variety, what color, Brian. What color for the bathroom? Uh, probably get a white one. That's oh. a white windowsill. So nice. Anyways, HomePod, check it out. Awesome. Ho- oh, HomePod Mini, HomePod Mini. I should have said that. Yeah, this they don't the even make the HomePod Tiny anymore. Boy, yeah, yeah, they don't even make the big one.
0: Sad not bad, mini. All right. Well, this has been episode 396 of the Design Details podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, at designdetailsfm. Tweet at us, DM us. If you have a topic or a question that you'd love for us to discuss in a future episode, go to our GitHub, github.com, slash designdetails, slash designdetails, open an issue. We'll try and get to it in a future episode. If you have been enjoying the show, or even if this is your first time listening, you can consider supporting us directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details. Supporting us for just a dollar a month gives you access to a bonus episode every single week called The Sidebar. Sidebar, Sidebar. And this week's Sidebar, we're talking all about icons and bounding boxes, how to use them, how to break them, how to make your uh, interfaces look just a little bit better with all those sweet icons. So that sounds interesting. Once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. And that's it. Catch you next week. Bye.
1: Have you heard the, the kids are saying sheesh now? I don't know if you've heard that. We were dude, talking yeah, about this
0: the other day. Everywhere. Every Twitch clip. Just sheesh.
1: I saw it pop up like two months ago or something. I was watching Ludwig and it kind of, I don't know if it didn't start there, obviously, but that was the first place I found it. And I was like, oh, is this a thing? I wonder if this will pick up. And then now it's fucking everywhere. Sheesh. It's fucking sheesh. everywhere, dude. I wonder how long it'll live.
0: Uh. Probably not long. My hunch is not long.
1: I feel like trends come and go much faster now than they used to.
0: Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, honestly, we might even already cross the threshold because the fact that we've said it yeah. might mean it's dead. Well, it's I no knew about it cool. for,
1: so. I, I've intentionally avoided using it because I didn't want to use it when it was only the kids using it, because it's like, now I'm fellow kids. <laughs> so now that
0: the grown-ups are using it where it's officially lame, you're comfortable yeah. using yeah, it. Yeah, now
1: that it's lame, I can use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs>